Grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. This weekend as we celebrate Thanksgiving at chapel, we are finishing up the sermon series that we entitled Generous Gratitude. And today, let's dive into why it is that thankful hearts become generous hearts. I know the Thanksgiving celebration might look a little bit different this year because of COVID and other factors in our world right now. But, but I want you to think back to a time that maybe you've gotten to experience this. A Thanksgiving table that was filled with food. Maybe you even have a a tradition in your family to eat Thanksgiving dinner family style where all of the dishes are placed on the table and one by one they're passed around that table and doesn't it seem, if you've ever had this experience, that there's no end to the food that's coming down the way? It's the turkey and the mashed potatoes and the sweet potatoes and the stuffing and the green bean casserole, right? One thing after another, food is truly remarkable. What a blessing to be able to eat a Thanksgiving dinner in that way. Somebody once said that, that the, amount of table, the amount of food that's on the average American table for Thanksgiving might feed another family somewhere else in the world for maybe as much as a month. We are truly blessed to live our lives in this world and in the country in which we do. But maybe this year is going to be a little bit different. Maybe you'll head to the store this year and there may be empty shelves where you're looking for things for Thanksgiving. Maybe there'll be empty seats at the table that you're used to being filled. That's why I love these verses from 2 Corinthians chapter 9 that the Apostle Paul shares with us today. Because even when there's emptiness in our lives here in this world, there's one person, there's one God who never leaves us empty. One God whose shelves never run out of his abundant grace. One God who pours out one blessing after another to each of us. That's our focus today. As we hear these words of the Apostle Paul, let's remember the generous gratitude that God has given to us, that, that he has generously poured out his salvation to us. And then in thanksgiving, let's let our hearts become generous hearts to God. Yes, the truth that we want to see today is that thankful hearts are generous hearts. We'll see God's grace to us, that God gives to us, so that we in turn can give to others. Let's hear again the first two verses of the text, verses 10 and 11. Paul writes this, Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. A little background for these verses. What had come up for the Corinthian Christians was an understanding of the trouble that the Christians in Jerusalem were having. The Christians in Corinth had heard that a famine had struck Jerusalem and that the struggle that the Jerusalem Christians were having gave the Corinthians an opportunity to be generous. They were excited about sharing their material blessings with people who were struggling in Jerusalem, their fellow believers. 
But although they were initially excited, their follow-through hadn't quite happened yet. They hadn't acted on that excitement. And so the Apostle Paul writes 2 Corinthians, a section of it, chapters 8 and 9, to encourage the Corinthians to follow up, to follow through with their promise. Just a couple of verses before our text, the Apostle Paul write, wrote this, Each person should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, but God, because God loves a cheerful giver. The verses of our text are explaining what it means to be a cheerful giver and how God demonstrates his love to those who give cheerfully. Two times in verse 10, the Apostle Paul uses the word supply, that God supplies our needs. The same God who gives seed for planting, who gives bread for food, will also supply your needs, the Apostle Paul says. That original word, the word in the original Greek, has a wonderful picture. It means to produce lavishly, to shower lavishly on someone. If you have an idea of, of what it looks like to go to some gala event, maybe a red carpet event where everyone is in black tie and tuxedo, there's beautiful linens and decorations and the finest food is being served, that's the picture of that word. God's promise to shower his blessings on us, to provide for us, to supply us lavishly. That's why the Apostle Paul can write in those same verses that we will be enriched in every way. Enriched, first of all, from a spiritual point of view as those blessings of forgiveness and God's love continue to pour into our hearts. But God, God's promise also is to take care of us in our lives in this world. Maybe our Thanksgiving tables are a good example of the blessings that God pours into our lives. And the apostle is describing really a chain reaction, isn't he? God's generosity to us produces thanksgiving. And that thanksgiving then leads us to be generous with the gifts that God gives us. Yes, God is generous with us so that we in turn can be generous with others. That's another great word picture in the original Greek, the word generous. Quite literally, it means without folds, meaning it's one piece of cloth, one piece of paper, I suppose we could say, without any creases, any troubles. It's single-minded, one-purpose giving. The one purpose to our giving is to respond to the grace that God has first given us. It's what God has done for us that leads us to be single-minded and sincere in our giving. Do you see what Paul is saying? God isn't concerned about how much you're giving. He's not concerned about the amount. What he's concerned about is your heart, the cheerfulness of that gift, the sincerity of that gift when it comes from the heart. Consider how God motivates us, how he moves us to give so generously. Could God have shown any more love to us than he has? Could he have done anything greater for us than he did in Jesus? No way. He sent his own son, didn't spare him, but sent him to die the death that should have been ours. Rose, Jesus rose from the dead to guarantee you and me that those blessings of forgiveness and eternal life will continue to flow into our hearts and into our lives. Isn't it any wonder that the Apostle Paul calls this surpassing grace, the description of what God has done for us? It surpasses anything that we could ever come up with, anything that we could ever expect, anything that we've deserved on our own. 
No wonder why Paul also calls it an indescribable gift. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. How can we describe God's love for us when it goes so deep that he would give up his only son for us? As we sit around our Thanksgiving tables in the week ahead, that's our greatest reason for giving thanks, isn't it? The salvation that you have, the sure hope of life in heaven that I have with you, Because Jesus took our place. Because God has generously poured into our hearts forgiveness and love and life. That's what we celebrate this Thanksgiving. I know you're probably familiar with the passage John 3, 16. As a matter of fact, it's probably the most famous passage in the Bible. But I wonder if there are times because we've heard these words more often than maybe some other verses of the Bible that we almost miss the true riches of what God says in this passage. Author Max Lucado made this comment about John 3.16. He calls it a 26-word parade of hope, starting with God and ending with life. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God loved. So God gave that whoever believes will have life. Don't take that lightly. Don't gloss over what God has done for you and me, the rescue that he's provided for us in Jesus, the eternal life and blessings beyond anything we could imagine that are in store for us with our Lord in heaven. Let me take you back to the hypothetical Thanksgiving table. It's dessert time. And out rolls the apple pie and the pumpkin pie with a bucket of ice cream, right? Time for pie a la mode. And you just happen to be sitting at the table right next to the person who is scooping the ice cream onto the pie. And so the first piece of pie gets the ice cream scoop on it and it's handed to you and you're asked to pass it around the table. One after another, another piece of pie, another pass, another pie a la mode, another pass. Are, are you getting worried? Are, are you worried that, that maybe somehow you're going to miss out on the blessings? Of course not. You, you see how much pie is there. You see the bucket of ice cream that will continue to feed everyone at the table. Isn't that a great picture of God's love for us? A love that will never run out. And our reason to joyfully serve others with the gifts that God has given us Because God will continue to fill us with those gifts even as we give generously to others. That's what the Apostle Paul is speaking of in the next verses of our text. How how God's generosity overflows into thanksgiving in our lives and then gives us opportunity to reflect God's love in our generosity with others. Here's what he says. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ. The Apostle Paul calls the act of the Corinthians in bringing this offering to the people of Jerusalem an act of service. Again, the Greek word is is interesting. It's the word that we use today when we call things liturgy in church. It's truly, literally worship. What we do by bringing an offering to God is worship him. 
That's the vertical aspect of our giving. There is a relationship between us and God. God's blessings to us are recognized in the gifts that we return to him, understanding that they belong to him anyway. But there's also a horizontal part of our worship, isn't there? We know that, that our gifts supply the needs of others, that God uses the gifts that we bring to him to bring blessings to others. Think of how that worked with the Corinthians. They brought the Apostle Paul offerings that he was going to carry back to Jerusalem for famine relief and not a person in Jerusalem most likely had met the people in Corinth who were sending those offerings. And then in turn, the people in Jerusalem would be filled with gratitude that these Corinthian Christians living across the Mediterranean Sea would send offerings to help them. What an amazing thing. And all of this would result in thanksgiving, that, that God is praised. I think about that here at chapel, what a blessing it is to serve here in this campus ministry where our, our goal is to know Jesus and to make him known on campus. We have so many people who support this ministry wanting for our college students a place to connect with one another and to connect with their Savior, Jesus. Many of the students will never meet the people who, so, who provide so generously the opportunity for them to be here. But they're thankful. They're thankful for all of the blessings that they give. And God works an amazing opportunity for us in our generosity to others when he's generous to us. God's grace for us abounds. There's no limit to it. Never will you have to worry about coming to God's grace and finding empty shelves God's mercies are new to us every single morning. Is it even possible for us to give back to God in such a way that we could outgive him? Could we do anything in returning blessings to God that would even us up, that would make us the same as God? Of course not. That's why the Apostle Paul asked this rhetorical question in Romans chapter 11, verse 35. Who has ever given to God that God should repay him? Our gifts are merely a token of the greater gift that God has given to us. They're a token of the salvation that we know is ours in Jesus. Our gifts, our offerings, our generosity is an opportunity to pass it on, to pass on God's generosity to us, to others. I've made it sound so easy, haven't I? And I know it's not. I know you, like me, fight our sinful nature, I know that we sometimes look at what God has given us and think if I give this to somebody else or if I give this back to God, then that's less for me, right? That's how our sinful nature keeps score. More for God means less for me. Do you know that God thinks the exact opposite? That God doesn't think in those terms? That you will have less if you give him more? As a matter of fact, we read it before in our Old Testament lesson. God actually issues us a challenge. A challenge to bring generous offerings to him and see what he will do. See the generosity that he will pour out into our hearts and lives. He actually encourages us to test him, to put him to the test, to see how he responds to generous giving. Listen again to the words from verse 10 of Malachi chapter 3. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. Aren't those amazing words? I heard a pastor once say this, God is not a beggar. He's an investor. You see it 
right? God isn't concerned about our offerings. He doesn't need us to bring him our gifts. But what he wants is our hearts. He's invested in our hearts by pouring his grace, his generosity into those hearts. And he wants to see that generosity spread as God's touches our lives and we have opportunity to touch the lives of others. Some takeaways from our sermon this morning. Number one, God's generosity overflows in blessings through our Savior Jesus. There's no question about the riches that God has given us. In the previous chapter, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, the Apostle Paul wrote this, You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. Secondly, in thanksgiving for God's gifts, we want to be generous to others. We recognize that God has invested his amazing grace, his abundant mercies into our hearts and lives, and we strive to pay dividends to others. Finally, number three, incredibly, God responds to our generosity with even more blessings. Test me in this. See if I will throw open the floodgates and pour out so much blessing, you won't have room for it. Jesus said something similar in Matthew chapter 6 when he said, Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given you as well. There's an old math joke, I suppose you could say, that goes like this. There are three kinds of people in this world. Those who can do math and those who can't. And you get it, the person who is sharing those words of wisdom is one of the people who doesn't know how to do math, right? Maybe you're someone who has struggled with different levels of math in your lifetime as well. Some of us are better at math than others. I will put myself in the poor category when it comes to math. But you know who is bad at math? God. Hold on, let me explain. God is bad at math because what math says is when I take something away from myself and give it to someone else, that's less for me. That's math. But God's math is the exact opposite. When we are generous with what God has given us, God promises that he will continue to pour his generous blessings into our hearts and lives. That is amazing, isn't it? That God continues to care for us as we respond to his generous love for us in our generosity with others. So this Thanksgiving, let's remember God's abundant grace and his overflowing generosity in the love of Jesus. Let's remember all that Jesus has done for us and then strive to live lives of generosity to others. Then watch God go to work in our hearts and lives as he turns thanksgiving into our hearts, into generous hearts. Amen. The peace of God which passes all understanding will guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.